Hey everybody, welcome to Sideline Sports. Today, I'm Travis. Today, I am joined here by Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello, how's it going? And we have a highly anticipated guest on our show. We have Will from Chacha Sports. Will, hello. Hello, I'm Will Cummings. Uh, I'm going to be on the podcast today. I'm from another great uh, sports podcast, Sports. Uh, check us out on Spotify and Apple Music. All right. Um, I also want to get our promotions in the beginning, so don't forget. Sideline Sports is now on Instagram and Twitter. The links will be in the description. Follow us there for sports news and stuff. Will, do you have any social media or no? Uh, yeah, our, our Instagram is our Instagram is just going to be the simple, uh, similar to the podcast, just ch underscore ch sports, and uh, same with our Twitter. So you can go check those out. Um, you can go check those out as well. That will be in the description as well. This is a short episode that we're going to do every Wednesday now. That's our new thing. So we have more content. But today, we're going to be talking a lot about basketball because the Celtics have had – the NBA playoffs are in full swing. The Celtics are playing the Raptors. So let's just – our first talking point now. Okay, Will, this is a big question for you and Ryan. How do you guys see the Celtics-Raptors series playing out? Celtics in four. Celtics in four. That's how I see it playing out. If the Raptors – if the – if the Raptors get like a lucky game, uh, lucky game four win, then I guess it's five games. But there's no way Raptors are coming back from here. Game two is way too important for them, and they blew it. Okay, Ryan. I think the Raptors in the first round they were going great. They were really good. But in the second round, they're just not as fierce against the Celtics. And I feel like, as Will said, the second game was super important, and they blew it. And they're just not able to come back from that. What do you think the series score will be out of seven, Ryan? I think five. Five. Actually, no, not five. Four. 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 Okay. Four. They're gonna get one. one. I'm. But no, it's not gonna be a sweep. It's gonna be Celtics win three games, Raptors win one, and then Celtics win. Okay. I don't want to be negative or anything here, but I'm actually not too certain what the Celtics are gonna come away with an easy victory. I think I've said it before. I think the Celtics will end up coming away with a victory here. Um. Just because they've been playing very well, they destroyed them without Lowry. And when Lowry was here, we still won. But I'd like to point out, in the game that the Celtics won last yesterday, or yeah, thir yesterday against the Raptors, um, Marcus Smart, he had a very nice fourth quarter. He had five threes in a row, one of them being an and one three. And before that had happened, the Celtics were actually losing by, I think, like eight points or so. Um, I wasn't feeling hopeless at that point. I believe they could come back. But... Marcus Smart really made a difference. And I don't know if you can depend on Marcus Smart to be making 15 points every third quarter, every fourth quarter that the Celtics are in. So do you guys think that maybe the series may drag on a bit further if they don't have a guy like Smart putting up numbers like that? Well, yes. You have to look at it statistically speaking, right? In, any, in basketball, more than any sport, there's going to be a player who has their night every game. There's no, there will there's not been a single basketball game in the history of basketball games where one player wasn't the best player on a team. You gotta look at specifically the standard deviation between point distribution, right? I mean, a lot more people are going to be. Uh, so say Marcus Smart has an offer, right? He's gonna end up being instructed by Brad Stevens to take less shots, which then results in Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Campbell Walker, other people who are playing in that area who can replace those shots. To, to taking those shots. One person starts making them, they get hot, and they, then they start scoring. So while we can't depend on Marcus Smart having a great night every night, we can depend on Jason Tatum having a great night every night because that's been happening. 
and we can depend on either Jalen Brown or Kemba Walker to we can depend on Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, or Kemba Walker to have a great night. At least one of them. They might not all have it at the same time, but we can depend on them having twenty point nights with good with good defense to back it up. Yeah, I think we've talked about something similar to that before where the Celtics are just such a deep team that even if like a guy like Gordon Hayward is gone, that obviously is a big Lost for them because Gordon Hayward has been known to go on absolutely crazy streaks where he scores 30, 40 points, notably against like the Timberwolves in the middle of the year. But um, I suppose I can agree with you there that Marcus Smart, even if he's not making a difference, maybe someone like Kemba Walker or Jalen Brown are going to be putting up five threes in the third quarter. Well, not necessarily like five threes, but just having a good game in total. What you were saying about Gordon Hayward? Now I don't wish I don't wish injury upon anybody, obviously. Um, I was super excited when Gordon Hayward was tra- was uh, not traded, but signed signed with the Celtics. However, I honestly think in the situation we're in right now with the teams we're playing against, I think that we are better off with Gordon Hayward outside of the starting lineup. And it would, from a marketing standpoint, it would be dumb to put him outside of the starting lineup as far as selling jerseys, selling tickets. So they're probably not going to do that if that happens because we have to remember basketball is a business. However, if they if Brad Stevens decided to do that for one just out of just out of the context of him being injured that would be a great decision in my opinion because i see him as more of a facilitator personally so he's not if kemba walker's there who's a top i'd say top five facilitator in the league can really make plays for others i don't see gordon hayward's purpose on the floor there he's not a spectacular scorer he's not a spectacular defender what he excels at is being able to score without the expense of his teammates not scoring so he can facilitate well if he is offensively successful as well. So I see him him scooting out, leaving that small forward spot open for Jason Tatum to switch to shift up is is extremely beneficial for the Celtics, especially with Robert Williams now getting more playing time. He's been great for the Celtics defensively. Even if the stats don't draw from the paper, him as a defensive anchor is sort of the Al Horford replacement that we really needed. Obviously, Al Horford was more of a facilitator and like passing standpoint, but Robert Williams, he's certainly a very, he's a pretty good rim protector. He gets up to block the shots and stuff. So I'm going to say Celtics in six because I think the Raptors will be able to pull out a few games on us. Okay, so now we've established the Celtics are going to move on to the second round. Okay, before we get to the next topic, are the Heat a real threat to the Bucks? you guys think? Will, we'll start with you. Yes, I do. Okay, Ryan. Are the Heat a real threat to the Bucks? Because right now I have the game up right here. Uh, the Heat are winning. I mean, they're winning not by a large margin, but it's the it's end of the second quarter. There's eight seconds left, and the Heat are winning 66 to 60. So Ryan, the Heat are already up one nothing in that series. If they pull away with the win today, they're up two nothing. Are the Heat a legitimate um, threat to the Heat? I mean, to the Bucks? I think they are. Bucks, as we saw in the first series against the Magic, have just been a bit cocky lately and. They just have to really just play their game. But, yeah, I think they are, and the Heat have a chance of beating the Bucks. It might be in six or seven, but they definitely have a chance of beating them. Okay, this is a big I told you so moment for Alex, who's on our podcast. Alex, has always, he's been telling us since, like, uh, one of our first finals predictions that we've done, I think, like, episode two or three, he told us that the Heat were going to beat the Bucks or some other team like that, maybe the Raptors it was. But he said that the Heat were going to make it past the second round in the, to the semifinals. And I told him that he was crazy, but as the playoffs have progressed, I realized that the Heat, they kind of are forming into an elite team. Now that they have Jimmy Butler back, I think they pose a very big threat to the 
Celtics and the Bucks. So I think that the Bucks are definitely a threat. But if they don't win this game, I think this is a very pivotal game for the series because if the Heat win this, they're up two nothing and the Bucks are starting to look kind of defeated, right? They're already down two nothing. Maybe they lose some hope. But if the Bucks can find a way to win this game, I think that I think this is a pivotal game. I think the Bucks will win. So, Will, what what do you think is going to have to happen for the Heat to beat the Bucks in this series? Is it going to be a close series, or are the Heat just going to run away with it with the momentum? Well, it's really a matchup problem. I mean, they don't they don't uh they really just don't have someone to guard that uh, two guard position. Uh, for one, Wesley Johnson's not going to get the job done guarding Jimmy Butler. While he's not a huge offensive threat, we ha- that's the strongest position you have um, on the Miami Heat. And they're really top-heavy um, in that sense. And that's why they're a perfect matchup for the Bucs. You got, you've, got, um, you've got Eric Bledsoe, right? He's going to be able to he's gonna be able to guard the one at a, at a at an above-average rate. He's going to do a good job. But then you have Wesley Johnson, who has to, who has to deal with three he has to deal with three notable players. you got to deal with Jimmy Butler. you got to deal with Tyler Hero. And then you got to deal with, deal with Duncan Robert, Robinson. All of those three players could go for 31 night without you expecting it, and one of them will go near that every night. And so since they really don't have someone to guard that without then exposing a, a hole for Chris Dunn to have a night or Warren Dragic to have a night, they're, the Heat are so top-heavy on offense, whereas the Bucks are so bottom-heavy on defense, as, as in they have a lot, of, a lot more big men. Um that's where the matchup problems really, really come from, and that's why they're they're a real threat to the Bucks. And I think, personally, I don't think the Heat are a great team. I don't think they're outstanding. I think they're. Um, I just think that the Bucks are the perfect team for them to play. Honestly, I don't think I don't see them beating the Raptors. Uh, I don't see even though the Raptors don't have a strong, even though the Raptors themselves have a strong, um, a strong. A, a strong, uh, any strong guard defenders to any capacity. I still don't think they could beat the Raptors. I, I really don't think that they could realistically beat anyone who's making it past the first round besides the Bucks. And I think that that's the Bucks' worst nightmare. Okay, I think the Bucks, as we said with the Celtics earlier, um, as you said too. So a lot of those players, like Duncan Robinson, maybe even Tyler Hero, Bam, he could they could go off for like thirty points a night. I think that's what really poses a threat against teams like the Celtics, as we saw. Duncan Robinson was hitting a bunch of threes in the game against the Celtics that they won. We talked about that. But, yeah, I think that simply for the reason that they are, as Will said, they're kind of built to beat the Bucs. So, Ryan, why do you think the Heat are a threat to the Bucs? Is it going to be a close series or the Heat are just going to run away? I mean, I think the Heat are very determined. And as Will said, the two spot, the shooting guard, is going to be a problem for them. But Giannis is there. He's just a very dominant player. He's going to keep taking it to the paint. And I feel like it'll go to seven games, and but the Bucks will end up on top. So you think the Bucks will win, but the Heat do pose a threat, yeah. Okay, the Heat—they're a good team, I think. I think they have—they have the ability to beat any team when they're at their best in the East. Maybe, maybe not the Lakers or any of the other teams in the West, but in the East, in the playoffs right now, I think when they're at their best, they can beat any of those teams, as we've sort of seen when they beat the Celtics. They beat the—they didn't. I don't think they beat the Raptors when they played them, but they beat the Bucks a couple of days ago. So I think that the Bucks are going to ultimately come out with this series. But if the Heat can find a way to win today's game, and they take the momentum in the series up two nothing, most of the time you see when a team goes up two nothing, just statistically speaking, 
they don't usually come back from that. So now that we've established that there are two teams in the other side of the bracket the Celtics are going to have to face eventually after they beat the Raptors, as we already said, who do you think poses a bigger threat to the Celtics? Would it be the Heat of the Bucks? Who would you? Who would be the ideal matchup? The Heat of the Bucks. Will. Uh, for me, I'm de- I'd go. I'd go with uh, um, I guess Miami Heat. Ideally, because uh, they're, they're obviously, uh, like I said about being top heavy, they got they've got all the talented guards, and we have all the talented people that defend guards. Honestly, I'd say Marcus Smart is. If I could have anyone guard the Steph Curry, Kyrie Irving, any any good guard, even if it's a shooting guard, Devin Booker, anything along those lines, I'm having maybe second to Patrick Beverly is Marcus Smart. He, he that's that's what he does is he defends extremely talented point shooting guards. Uh, and as far as their as far as they go with their big men, sure sure we got Bam, Bam out of bio and he's a, he's a good player and all, um, but that's that's he's really. He's really there for defensive purposes. That's where that's where he shines, and I doubt he's going to go for more than twenty-five, especially with Daniel Tice and Robert Williams, who are who will be able to contain him. Not gonna, I'm not going to say they're going to shut him down, but they will be able to contain him. Whereas Giannis is going to be a real problem and has been a real problem in Celtics. So I'm really hoping for the future. Okay, um, this is what I think. I'd actually um, let me finish this. Let me uh, like put my idea out there. Um, I think I'd rather the Bucks actually play the Celtics than the Heat. He kind of scare me. So Giannis, this is one of Brad Stevens' philosophies. Sure, Giannis can go off for 30 points a night, but Brad Stevens, one of his philosophies that I always kind of like admired, he said the big players are always going to get their points, right? It's the, it's like the other, the role players you got to contain, such as Chris Middleton such as, and those guys. So, yeah, against the Celtics in the last couple of years and games and they've played them, Giannis always seems to get in foul trouble. You could say that he's fouled out like twice in that game that the Celtics played him. So they fell down by 20 in the beginning of the game. That's obviously a big, um, a big step back. I mean, that's a big setback for them in the game. You could blame that on rust, I guess. And the Celtics are obviously not rusty anymore. They're on a roll. They're undefeated in the playoffs so far. So I think that this, the Heat, they scare me because of this reason. The Heat, they have a lot of three-point shooters and other role players are just so deep. I think the Celtics, being a deep team themselves, I don't think they're going to be able to compare to even that. Even though, because uh, they can just, they have a good big man. The Celtics, they really are lacking in the big man category. It's just kind of been a, a mix of Robert Williams, Grant Williams, Ennis Cantor, and all the, and Daniel Tice, all kind of throwing it to that's, the paint there. Yeah. That's offensively. Defensively, we have no problems with our big men. Defensively, we have some of the best we we have one of the best front courts in the league as far as defending. Um, it's offense that we need to really like produce there with his closeness at the rim. And I think if I, there are really two solutions to this, you trade Gordon Hayward. Now this wouldn't be realistic. I'm just giving our, a prototypical player and archetype for someone like Jaron Jackson Jr., someone who's young and explosive and is sort of that like stretch four that we really need um, to provide some instant offense at the rim. And so I think that's one solution. We trade Gordon. We trade Gordon Hayward. Uh, take on probably maybe a big contract. Even someone like a Rudy Gobert's relations with his uh, with his organization aren't too great right now. So that's a possibility. He can even though he's a defender, he can create offense better than I could. I'd say Daniel Tice can. We either do we either do that or we play the long game. Wait a little bit for Robert Williams to develop. And mark my words, he will be a dollar store Rudy Gobert in one or two. 
but with but better offense. A better a better offensive Rudy Gobert, but dollar store. Okay, but if we talk, okay, this postseason, I'm actually not too worried about the Celtics offense. I think they're a deep team, as we've said multiple times in this podcast. They have a star player in Tatum who can score twenty five like twenty to twenty five points consistently every night. Plus Kemba, Jalen Brown, they always got scattered points there. I'm more worried about the defense because you see, the Celtics, they seem to be good on ball defense, but once you get a guy like Jimmy Butler, passes in the paint to bam, right? He can kick it out to someone else. It's this pass after the pass that I think really worries the Celtics. Because I always see, like in the game against the Heat, I noticed that they when the Heat made the extra pass that was open and they set a screen, got an open man, the threes were just going in. And if the Heat can continue to put up a game, like because the Heat what I said, they're at, when they're at their best, they can beat any team, like such as the Celtics. We've seen that. I don't know if the Heat are going to be able to keep that up consistently, but I think that the Bucks, the Celtics, they've shown that they can put up a matchup against the Bucks. If there hadn't been all those bad calls and stuff in that game, I'm not saying that they should have won that game, but if at that point in the game, like those calls were a big factor in the game, they shouldn't have went down by 20. But I think if the Celtics can produce more defense at the beginning of the game and come out stronger against the Bucks and they could take this they could take a game and maybe even take the Bucks in seven games. I think it would certainly be close for both though. Ryan, who would you want the Celtics to play in the first round? The Heat or the Bucks? In the second the semifinals. In the semifinals, uh the Heat I think would just be easier because we have them matched out outmatched at every single position and I feel like it'll just be an easier win than having to deal with Giannis and Okay, now that we've um, worked our way up to the Celtics, do you guys think the Celtics are legit finals contenders? I think they are more than legit finals contenders. Ryan, are they? Uh, I feel like they have a 40% chance at winning. The finals, okay. That's a pretty high number. Uh, Okay, Ryan, Ryan. I'm I'm known as the unrealistic Celtics fan, but forty percent that leaves a distribution of thirty percent for the Lakers and like thirty percent of the Clippers. If you're being at all realistic with those, oh wait, I mean, that's, is, that, is that how it works? Well, yeah. So like, you okay. gotta look at it with if the it, other if teams. If I gotta look to the other teams, then maybe like twenty-five. I'd, I'd say like ten or fifteen is realistic because you gotta take into account the Lakers are a better team. Um, it's about how we match up with the Lakers, and I think we match up well. Okay. Um, all uh, we really I, I say do, 25%. I say 25%. <laughs> that's hey, I like the confidence. I like it. Okay. This is a discussion for another time, but I'm not too – I'm not, like, extremely worried about the Lakers. I don't know if we're going to pull away in seven games against them, but if we end up matching up against them. And first of all, I think the Celtics are legit finals contenders. After the, if they can get by the Raptors in the in the semifinals, but I'm not worried about them because we've shown that like even in the close games, that even in that one close game we had against them, I think that game could have gone either way after a a dagger shot from LeBron that really just put them away at the end of the game. But um, who do you think the Celtics would be playing in the finals if they did play? If they did make it there? Oh, uh, that's the Lakers. I agree with the Lakers. Okay. I think I think that the. Um... I think well, you know, that's that's a good. It's a good question because it's obviously one of the two LA teams, either the Lakers or the Clippers. I think that the Clippers do present a real defensive uh, threat to the Lakers. I mean, there's I'd say two people in the league who guard LeBron that really guard LeBron.
Um, that is in make sure he's not facilitating or that's Giannis Antetokounmpo and Kawhi Leonard. And uh, Kawhi Leonard happens to be on the, on the Clippers. What it really depends on, what it really depends on for the Clippers is can Lou Williams have a night? Can Montrez Harrell have a night offensively? It's their offense that needs to be generated because let's be fair, Kawhi's not going to drop 30 a night. He's a great player, but he's a 25-point-per-game player um, as far as the playoffs goes, especially when he's playing with Paul George, who we don't even know if he'll play well, if he's going to pull out, pull some of that against the Mavericks stuff that he pulled last time. I mean, it's about Paul George's consistently in it, consistency, and it's about, um, it's about Montrezl Harrell and Lou Williams' ability to have some sort of an offensive night. Um, that's my opinion. But I think currently it's 60-40, and the Lakers have the 60. Okay. Mine used to be the Clippers. When we did our, I think it was our second NBA Finals predictions, I said it was going to be the Clippers and a close one versus the Lakers. But based on how the I saw the Lakers put away a team like, I mean, the first game against the Trailblazers was not great. And, of course, Dame did get injured in that series with the knee or whatever. But um, I think that the Lakers are definitely, just based on how I've seen them be playing lately, I think LeBron's on a, on a roll right now. Anthony Davis, if he can be a good supporting cast along with the other guys that they have out there like um, Kyle Kuzma, I think the Lakers will definitely make it to the finals this year. I'm not sure if they'll beat the Celtics or not. but I'm, I'm not sure if they'll lose to the Celtics or not, but um, I think it will definitely be a good series and one for the ages considering that the old rivalry is going to be back. So, Ryan, who do you think? Ryan? Ryan, who do we have the Celtics? Ryan, what do we think about that? I think it's the Clippers. You literally changed it, Ryan. I was going to say, why do you think the Lakers? I mean, how do you think the Lakers would do against the Celtics? Oh. Yes. It'll be game seven and the Lakers play. Bold. What do you think, Will? Um, I, 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 again, as a, as an unrealistic Celtics fan, I'd still give the Lakers that, uh, still give the Lakers that edge, um, in being the Celtics. You know, that's how I like it. That's going to be an interesting. That's how I see it going down as the Celtics Lakers finals, and um, and I see that as the most entertaining NBA finals in history. With what's at stake, with everything there, like LeBron's legacy on the line, um, the beginning of Tatum's legacy on the line, that's going to be the most interesting finals in NBA history if we can go to a game seven. And um, I'm excited for it because I think that's going to happen. Um, but I do, I do give the Lakers the edge there. It's a tough decision for me. I think that one's really up in the air for me. I think it could go either way. I think it. I don't know if it's going to be a very close series. I could see. One team gets the momentum and just takes it, right? The Celtics are a deep team. The Lakers, you could argue that they could use some extra depth. I mean, if Anthony Davis and Kyle Kuzma are putting up solid numbers each night and producing good defense, because you know LeBron will be good in the playoffs, um, I think that will certainly, um, I think that will certainly play a factor in the Lakers winning. But if the Celtics can grab momentum, I think that they could take the series in six. As if the Lakers grab momentum. I think they'll take it in five, maybe, because if the Lakers get rolling on the Celtics, I don't think that's gonna be good for them. But okay, I see this going. I see this going to a game seven, and uh, I see Jason Tatum. 
the game winning that uh, that's gonna that'll be awesome. I don't know. I'm excited. I'm just thinking about it makes me excited. But anyways, I hope I hope it goes to a game seven. But I see it realistically going to uh, probably five or six games. Uh, I'd say six, like you said. I'd say I'm leaning I'm leaning more towards six, and it's definitely possible it goes to game seven. And I kind of hope it does for entertainment purposes. But if the Celtics had done six, then I'm happy there. Obviously. Okay. I'd like to quickly, quick, 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 quickly, quickly talk about the Bruins and rest in peace to the Bruins. They they were defeated by the Lightning. I I said this right. I said without Tuca, they can get by a team like the like the Blue Jackets. But once you get oh, the Hurricanes, they played. You can get by a team like the Hurricanes. But once you get a higher powered high powered team such as the Lightning, I didn't think that the backup goalie. Um, Kalak was going to be able to stop them, and I was right. There was one game when the Bruins lost seven nothing. That was all on the goalies. I mean, nothing that well, the it's not, it's not as, uh, seven to like one. You were saying with uh, Bucks Heat, it's not necessarily the um, the Lightning being a good team. It's just the circumstances of uh, the Lightning are, if anything, an offensive team. If if you need an example of an offensive hockey team, that's the Lightning, right? And when the best offensive team in the NHL, arguably, is playing against a team who previously relied on and just lost their goalie, that's obviously going to be a problem. And that's the root of why the Bruins lost, essentially. And that's, that's really all I have to say about it, is that it's a great offensive team um, with uh, playing against a team who just lost their defense banker. Yeah, that's what I predicted. I predicted once they went up against a high-powered offense like the Lightning, then they were going to fall to them. And let's talk about quickly the last game of the series. So that game, we've been saying they lost 7-1 to against Lightning. That was a horrendous goaltending. They had to put in their backup backup goalie, as long as Halak didn't do very go- good well as either. But it was a it was a 3-2 win. It went into double overtime. I stayed up for the end of it. Um, so the two goals, I mean, the, th- two, the first two goals that the Bruins let in, um, there was nothing Halak could have done about that. They were both solid, like slap shots or whatever, and they both got deflected into the net. So he really had no idea it was going to come to him. So I don't really blame Halak so much on those, but I. But the last one, there was nothing really could have done of either one. Like he got him good position, it went right through his hole in his arm. So that's a shame. But the Bruins, their offense, it it did better than I expected. I expected them to get blown out in this game. They did put up two goals. Chara had a nice assist at the end, but um, yeah, rest in peace to the Bruins, the best record in the NHL, and they still managed to choke it. Oh, also the Red Sox, they they still suck. I haven't checked into them in a while. If you're wondering why I haven't talked about them, but thank you for listening to Sideline Sports. Go check out Chacha Sports. Goodbye. That's C H C H Sports on Spotify and Apple Music. Yes, go thank check. Go check it out.